0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the most unique, entertaining, and compelling sports talk podcast you'll ever listen to. Let's be great. Let's be great. Wendell's world in sports with the one and only Wendell Wallace. Giannis charging down the lane to the rim, double clutch, no good, tipped in. Subscribe, rate, and review anywhere and everywhere you listen to this and all your favorite podcasts. And now, from Washington D.C. metropolitan area, rip, ruin, and ready to rumble, Wendell Wallace. It's been a long time. I shouldn't have left you without a strong podcast to step to. Think of how many weak podcasts you slept through. Time's up. Sorry I kept you. Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. A lot of things going down to discuss today in the world of sports. I'm back and I'm glad to be back. It's fantastic to be back. It's wonderful to be back. How you doing, man? What's up? What's happening? you doing what you need to do to make your neighborhood, to make your husband, to make your wife, to make your children, to make your in-laws, to make your friends, to make your neighbors, to make your co-employees better people by your presence, by your intelligence, by your respect, by the presence, your chi, everything that you bring to the table. Are you doing what you need to do to make this world, to make this block, to make your neighborhood, to make your community a much better place to be through love? peace understanding listening learning educating listening to those who might have a different point of view than you on many different issues are you doing that so we can set up this world to be a much better place for our children and their children and their children setting the good example are you doing that have you been doing that while i've been away i sure hope that you have because i've been trying my gosh darnest since school started to be doing that with the young folks up uh in clark county and up in mesquite nevada wendell's world and sports that's why i've been gone for a couple of weeks school started some things happened was going to do a podcast some things happened pushed it back a little bit a little bit some things happened got into a little bit of bind of trying to do my podcast and trying to do school work and trying to uh, get these things going but uh, everything is set the routine is now in place so uh no more long waits between one podcast to another, I promise, I promise. Oh, and by the way, bonjour, bonsoir, monsieur, mademoiselle, je m'appelle Wendell Wallace, Wendell's World and Sports, so glad that you could be with us, que pasa mi amigos Miyama Wendell Wallace, Wendell's World in Sports, so glad that you could be with us. Namaste, Konishiwa wassalamu alaykum, my brothers and sisters, shalom. Wendell's World in Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace, so glad that you could be with us. Going to uh, be doing some things in terms of the uh, podcast today for the last time, unless something happens with the Ben Simmons trade, a Bradley Beal trade, a Damian Lillard trade. This is going to be the last time I'm going to be talking about the NBA. The NBA which in my world of sports, which in the love degrees of which I have for the NBA, you could say if it was a form of a woman, it would be my Halle Berry. It would be my Layla Rochon. It would be my Vivica A. Fox. It would be my Monica Bellucci. It would be my Selma Hayek. It would be my wife. It would be my one and only. It would be my Death to lose Part. But right now, They're getting ready to go on vacation. Right now, they're getting ready to take that cruise. Right now, they're getting ready to hang out with their in-laws. Right now, they're getting ready to say goodbye to Wendell Wallace until, as I mentioned before, probably the start of the NBA regular season. Not going to be getting into the schedules, the Christmas schedule and all that kind of stuff because... We don't know exactly what's going to be happening by the start of the season, by Christmas and moving on and all that type of stuff. So I've never looked at schedules, whether it be the NBA, whether it be the NFL, Major League Baseball, whatever. Never looked at schedules because we don't know what's going to be happening in terms of when that game is going to be taking place. And especially... With the NBA, where we have players resting because of uh, load management and other things, just because the Lakers are going to be playing in New York, the uh, the Brooklyn Nets on Christmas Day, that doesn't guarantee you that we're going to be getting Anthony Davis and LeBron James versus James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. So speculation and who's going to be doing what and this, that, and the other, I really don't get into when it comes to schedules, whether it be the NBA or the NFL, but as I mentioned before, unless Ben Simmons gets traded, Damian Lillard gets traded, Bradley Beal gets traded, or something catastrophic happens in the NBA, the loves of my life, the NBA, is going to be saying bye bye and replacing them. For a, for uh, for my uh, time is going to be the NFL to get in here and to occupy what's going to be happening. So at the end of my podcast, I'll be speaking a little bit about some of the storylines, but I'm saving the bulk of my discussions about the NFL and college football, which is going to be starting extremely soon. I'm going to be saving that for my next podcast, where it will be a football-centric podcast, no doubt. But as I mentioned before, talk about the comings and goings, talk about the free agencies with the NBA. Also want to talk about my man Greg Popovich getting it done with the USA basketball team at the Olympics. Also want to be speaking about... The uh, women, that's what we're going to be getting into right now. The mo- women's movement, as far as athletes are concerned, as far as sports are, is concerned, is uh, moving with strength, moving with purpose. You better respect it. You better bow down. You better make sure you got your rent money because right now the landlords of what's happening in the world of sports as far as its dominance is concerned, it ain't about LeBron James. It ain't about Lionel Messi. It ain't about Ronaldo. It ain't about Usain Bolt. It ain't about Michael Phelps. especially those two because they're retired. But you can name any other KD. You can name any other Tom Brady. You can name any other fantastic, fabulous, awesome, branded, um, sports athlete in the world today right now they are taking a back seat to the women of sports right now in our society because they are whooping ass they are kicking ass they are taking names they are setting trends they are doing what they need to do the me too movement as far as athletics are concerned is going very strong that's what I wanted to talk about summer Olympic takeaways yes I know the Olympics happened a couple of weeks ago but man when you talk about the Olympics being dominated by women who accounted for 66 of the 107 gold medals for this country, and the women winning more gold medals than the males in this country, 23 to 16, get this, once again, 113 gold medals by this country, 66 66 of them by women, 41 of them by men, which means 58% of all U.S. medals were won by women, surpassing the previous best result for American women, which was 56% of the medals at the 2012 London Olympics. This is not a fluke. This is not something where it's like, well, you know, because of the pandemic, or, well, because of what's happening in the world, you know, it's a little bit fluky, it's a little bit out of rhythm, it's a little bit, uh, you know non-conformist or anything like that no 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 take a look at the 2012 olympics you can take a look now at the 2020 olympics you can take a look at some of the other games that's been happening the rio games and such women athletes are taking over women athletes right now are the backbone are the foundation for the success in athletics at the olympics especially at the summer olympics when it comes to the success of this country the 66 medals most ever won by U.S. women at the Olympics. The dominance of women for the uh, for America in these Olympics, let's put it this way. If the U.S. women were their own country, just in terms of the amount of gold medals they won or the amount of medals that they won, if they were their own country for these Olympics, they would have finished fourth in the Olympic medal count ahead of Great Britain, Japan, Australia, Germany, and nearly 200 other uh, countries and trailed only the entire US team, China, and the Russian Olympic Committee. That's dominance, Holmes. That's dominance, uh, my man. The advancement of achievement and relevance of women, especially from my country in the Olympics, mirror the advancement of women in all areas of competition and cultural significance. You do, it's been coming. It's been coming from 1996 till the present Summer Olympic Games. Just think about it. At the 1996 Olympics in Atlanta, Team USA was comprised of 375 men and 271 women. The, the men won 59% of the medals, the 39% for the women with three medals in mixed events. Remember that Olympics, right? Gymnast carry Strug clinging to the gold. By sticking the final vault on an injured ankle, Bella Caroli trying to steal the spotlight by picking her up and, you know, running her off the running her off the uh, platform in her arms and this that the other that was the Olympic moment. We have the 2008 Olympics in Beijing where the women were outnumbered by the men on the U.S. team two eighty two to three zero six. That was the first time the U.S. women won more gold medals then the u.s males 56 to 55 then we moved to london for the 2012 olympics for the first time ever more women were on the u.s team than men as i mentioned before 268 to 262 with the women winning 58 medals to 45 for the males with one medal in a mixed event and then it continued with 2016 and now with the 2020 Olympics now being played in 2021 because of the pandemic. But we see the progression. We see the advancement that these women are making. Remember in 1992 and for a little bit with the USA basketball team, it was called the Dream Team, right? Isn't that been the moniker for uh, the USA men's basketball team, especially since the NBA players have come in and played in the sport. It's been the USA Dream Team. We need to uh, get rid of that moniker for the men's basketball team. They're no longer the dream team. You know who the real dream team is? It's not the men's basketball team. It's the women's basketball team. They're the real dream team. They're the real dominant force, the most dominant team in any sport in these Olympics won their seventh consecutive gold medal, 90 to 75 over Japan in the gold medal game. It was their 55th consecutive Olympic win. And since defeating Brazil, won 11 to 87 to win the gold in Atlanta in 1996, no United States opponent has come within a single digit in the title game of the women. Diana, Diana Tarasi, Sue Bird won in their fifth gold medal. The most dominant basketball players in the world today are women in terms of the, or American women, without question, especially when you take a look at the NBA and you take a look at the influx of great players from all over the world, now in the NBA and winning MVPs and winning rookies of the year and being on the all NBA teams and making their mark and making their impact in the league. You go now to women's basketball and you want to take a look and talk about who are the best players, who are the most dominant players in the world. It's women, it's American women by a country mile. Ann Donovan, Dawn Staley, Cheryl Swoops, Trina Thompson, Lisa Leslie, Candace Parker, Brianna Stewart. Just some of the dominant women in the sport of basketball through the decades that have paved the way to now finally, we can stop going on and on and on about the U.S. Olympic uh, team, basketball team for males. It's now the women. The women take the center stage and not Damian Lillard, not Kevin Durant, who probably going to go down as one of the greatest Olympic basketball players in history, but even someone of his stature, even someone of his greatest has to share the table, have to share the VIP section, have to share the acclaim and the accolades when we speak about the greatest Olympians of all time, especially in basketball with some of these great women that I just mentioned. Some of the uh, accomplishments that they had: Don Staley being the first basketball player in the Olympics to win a gold medal as a player and as a coach, as I mentioned before. Diana Taurasi, Sue Bird—they now have ten gold medals and now seven WNBA titles between them. What other? What other duo can say that? and both of them from the University of Connecticut. What other duo can say that especially in the males? Where can we where where can we go that? You can take all the players from Kentucky, you can take all those players from Duke, you can stretch out the timeline time as far as you want. None of that none of them have accomplished what Tarasi and Sue Bird have. Women taking over. Women make it an impact. Women let it be known that no we are the shitnick. You know what I'm saying? So the women's march towards athletic grace Greatness is on the move, man, and now people are starting to pay attention. Before, when Bates, Dietrich, and Zaharia, and Wilma Rudolph, and Billy Jean King, and Zena Garrison, and the Williams sisters, and such, when they were doing their thing, it was met with uh, disrespect. It was met with prejudice. It was met with discrimination. It was met with oppression. It was met with a yawn. It was met with a no big deal. It was met with a, yeah, but you know, they're girls. They're women. So who cares? What's the big deal? They don't equate to the men. They're not as great as the men. They're not as strong as the men. They're not as entertaining as the men. They're not as important as the men. They don't make the same type of impact on society. They don't make the same type of impact on the young folks that the men do. Now you take a look at what's happening. Yeah, LeBron has got his brand. Yeah, LeBron's a global icon. Yeah, you have the other uh, folks in Europe who play football who are making uh, impacts and who are doing their thing. But slowly but surely, the women, the women athletes are starting to uh, gain some real accolades, starting to gain some real attention starting to gain some uh, real advancement in movement. So the next step for the women's movement, especially when we're speaking about in sports, will next be to equal the opportunity to build brands similar to their top male athletes. That's going to be the next deal for women right now. Now, I'm not expecting the WNBA to be the same as the NBA. I'm not expecting the uh, Women's Soccer League, Professional Soccer League, to start rival- rivalry rivalry the leagues in Europe, in other countries. I'm not saying that, but you know what, man? With the success of what's happening in the Summer Olympics, the success that women have been having for now decades upon decades, the movement is not going to stop. The advancements are not going to stop. And when you have a world, when you have young girls now who are looking to play sports, who are looking to be the next Mia Hamm, who are looking to be the next Serena Williams, who are looking to be the next uh, Maria Sharapova, who is looking to be the next Sue Bird, who's looking to be those uh, great athletes, the Michelle Kwans and such. This ain't slowing down. This ain't stopping. So the next step, as I mentioned before, for women here on Wendell's World of Sports Podcast, which is yours truly, Wendell Wallace, is to be able to build those brands so they can have the same equal opportunities to be global phenomenons and superstars, just like the males, just like LeBron, just like Lionel. Let's start talking about these women with one name, just like we do with the superstars and the global superstars that the males do. Everybody knows LeBron. Everybody knows Ronaldo. Everybody knows Messi. Everybody knows those guys. Let's now start bringing in a situation where you know what it doesn't have to be just tennis where yeah, Venus and Serena we already know who they are we don't need to accompany their names with their their first names with their last names. Now it starts to move into a different spectrum of sports to where we start building brands for females and giving them opportunities to build their brands with advertisements and endorsements off the field for women who don't play a sport like tennis who don't play an individual sport like golf. All of a sudden now, maybe we can go ahead and start building the WNBA, the women in the WNBA, so they can have the same opportunities. College athletics, I'm telling you, introducing name, image, and likeness, this should help this cause because now it gives these college basketball players and it gives these college uh, female basketball players and softball players and volleyball players and such now an opportunity to get out there. Because as I mentioned before, when I spoke about name, image, and likeness permeating into college athletics and how it could be making a bigger impact with the female athletes than it could with the male athletes. Why? Because sex sales. And if you can put a female college volleyball player or swimmer or basketball player or softball player if you can get them the model, or if you can put them on a poster, or you can put them on a calendar. Yeah, is it um, kind of sexist and those type of things? Yeah, maybe. But again, as I mentioned before, itself, And women can use that to advance their, th- to open up doors for them to market other things. A pretty young female never hurt nobody. A female who was highly attractive never hurt nobody. And it never uh, hurt them in terms of trying to get endorsements and advertisements. So, yeah, man, the females at the Summer Olympics, rocking and rolling, getting it done. And um, I'm happy for them. I'm happy for the. I'm happy for the movement. Works hand in hand with everything else. Off the court, on the court, off the tennis field, off the tennis field, off the tennis courts, on the tennis courts, everything. Aspect women trying to get better women trying to advance women trying to get that respect all of those things The women now showing as far as athletics are concerned that they're on the same par and even greater As far as success is concerned with the males. It's only going to open up more opportunities for equality and advancement When it comes to women all over this world Yeah it's the return of the wild
1: style fashion is Smashing hits make
0: it hard to adapt to this Put pizzazz and jazz in this The cash in this Master this flash this And make a clap to this DJ's throwing cuts And obey the craft Just pump the volume and play it loud, hip hop's embedded. Before I said I wouldn't let it, but me and the microphone is still magnetic. Straight off the top. Mm. I knew I'd be forced to rock. Mm. Dead floor to stop, the spot scorching hot. Open I open, rocking with law, seminars, massage at the bar, smoking ten hour cigars while I'm my, on my With more vision and TVs, mm. I find it easy. Catch it down, beat, for fly sweeties Sit back and wait to hear, slam and track. Rock a jam by popular demand I'm back. I'm a the crowd. Wendell's World in Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. That's me. Talking about what's happening in the world of sports. I'm telling you right now, the um, we're kind of like in a dead period, shall we say. There's really not too much going on right now. This is a good time. This is the best time right now. The last couple of uh, free weekends that we have before the NFL starts, before college football starts, and we're going to be inundated with watching... Football on Saturdays and Sundays. This is the time right now where you can hang out with your husband. This is the time right now you can do all the chores that your uh, woman wants you to do. This is the best time to uh, go on vacation. This is the greatest time to hang out with your kids. This is the best time to go ahead and get those chores done because we know, you know, I know, we all know once college football starts on Saturday. Once the NFL starts on Sunday, don't bother me. Don't talk to me. No, 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 honey. Nuh-uh, not happening. We've got some football to watch, and I'm going to be sitting down watching my football. So come on now. So this is some good time to win some brownie points. This is a good time to uh, go ahead and get that stuff done so you won't be doing that same bullshit when September and October and November comes, because football, college football, the NFL is right around the corner. Cannot wait, getting ready for it. As I mentioned before, in this podcast, mainly going to be speaking about the Olympics in terms of the dominance of women and their Olympic dominance. What does it mean in a bigger picture for women in athletics moving forward as they fight for equality, as they fight for opportunities, as they fight to uh, make a mark on society, make a mark financially, building brands and such. What does the success mean? The Long, I guess you could say the the journey that it took for women in athletics to get to this point been uh, well worth it. The sacrifices that those have made before. Uh, we are at this point right now for women, and the respect and the admiration. And the dignity that they're now receiving, the Billie Jean King, the Wilma Rudolph, the Babe Dietrich and Zacharias, the nonsense, the discrimination, the oppression, the disrespect that they had to go through to pave the way for women of today to go ahead and make their mark, make their money, make their impact on society, on their gender, on their world. So it's fantastic to go ahead and see what's happening. And the Olympics was another great example of uh, women outshining the men, women winning more medals than the men, women having more Olympic members than males. So the trend is going to continue. This is not something that's a blip on a radar screen. This is not something that happened because of COVID and because of COVID and because of all the situation that's going on with Japan and in terms of COVID that a lot of the males decided not to go ahead and because of not go ahead and compete or not go ahead and participate in the Olympics. And because of that, women Filled the bill, and that's the reason why you had more women than men. Now that's not the uh, that's not the that's not the case at all. We're going to be seeing the Summer Olympics in 2024. The trend continue in terms of women being major participants, women being the major stars, women winning the accolades and the attention from around the world, and women being the superstars that they are. at the movement continues to get bigger, better, stronger. So there we go. Wendell's World in Sports, I'm your host. Wendell Wallace, so glad that you could be with us. Simone Biles, the greatest Olympic gymnast, or one of the greatest Olympic gymnasts of all time, making news and an impact on the world without winning any gold medals. Biles performed the all-around during the qualifications and helped the racist, divided, ignorant states of America qualify for the team final in second place. But during that performance... Biles suffered numerous mishaps during the competition. The GOAT, the great one, suffered numerous mishaps during the competition. She bounced entirely off the floor, landing on one of her tumbling passes, stepped one foot off the landing mat during her vault, took several large stumbles backwards on her balance, be- balance beam disc, uh, dismount. Now, she still qualified, but following that performance, she uh, said on Instagram that she was feeling the weight of the world on her shoulders and, and that she felt affected by the pressure of the Olympics. Hmm. And during warm-ups for the first rotation of the team finals, she left the competition floor and withdrew from the rest of the team competition, citing mental health issues. Now, the U.S. team went on to win the silver medal, and uh, she was cheering them on, but it was like, wait a minute, so this is not a situation where this is not one of your traditional injuries, a torn hamstring or a pulled muscle or something like that. She cited mental health issues as the reason why she withdrew from the rest of the team competition the greatest of them all the leader the most decorated the most accomplished the most experienced she's supposed to be the leader she's supposed to be the one in this uh competition and such that's supposed to be leading this young group and now she's quitting now she's giving up because uh of some mistakes what's going on here what's happening on july 28th Biles withdrew from the finals of the individual all-around competition, again, citing mental health concerns. Then she also withdrew from the vault and uneven bars finals, both scheduled for the first day of individual event finals. What's this? On January 31st, are you fucking kidding me? Due to a continued mental block, the greatest of all time, the so-called GOAT Simone Biles withdrew... From the floor final? Now, she later confirmed on August 2nd that she would compete in the beam final, but she finished third? What is it? What's going on here? Biles explained that she withdrew primarily due to experiencing the twisties? Twisties? Twinkies? Twisties? What the? A physical phenomenon causing a gymnast to lose air awareness while performing twists, twisting elements throughout the Olympics? What? What the hell is going on? She's a quitter. She's a loser. She's a bum. She's a disgrace. She's an American. This is terrible. This is horrible. We've got Russians now winning the Olympics. And because Simone Biles, because she faced a little bit of adversity, she quit. She quit on her teammates. She quit on her country. This poor girl who's sitting at home that could have taken her place is now... Missing an opportunity to be in an Olympian because Simone Biles had to be on the team and little did we know that she's a quitter, that she's weak, that she has no intestinal fortitude, that she's a mental midget, that she's horrible, that she's terrible, that she's un-American, that she's selfish, that she's a psychopath, that she's a diva. Oh my goodness gracious. I can't believe this. I needed her to win a gold medal. I wanted her to win a gold medal. I wanted that gold medal. I, 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 I wanted that gold medal. That fucking bitch. What a fucking quitter she is. What a fucking loser she is. What a disgrace to this country that she is. Horrible. Terrible. Disgusting. That's what we got, folks. In a situation like this, the ignorant, the stupid, the racist, the misogynistic, the male pigs, the low life and the losers came out and uh, gave voice to their sheep, who believe in those fucking jackasses. So it's, it was a disgrace. It was I, I when Simone Biles. I really, was, I'm really not into gymnastics. I'll tell you this right now. Not really into it. I mean, to see those girls, some of them under the age of 21, most of them under the age of 21, a lot of them under the age of 18. The outfits that they wear make me uncomfortable to watch them perform because of the outfits that they wear sorry just the way it is and also I mean you know I I get a little squeamish when I see these women doing these twists in the air and the way that they come down because it's like man one wrong turn they're running they're falling on their head and I definitely don't want to see that and from an old guy fat guy out of shape guy as of right now like me to see them just you know fly in the air like that and then come down it's like how are them girls not breaking their kneecaps they're their, their, their shin bones, their legs, how are they not pulling something? How are their legs still attached to their body? If I try some shit like that, man, from the bottom of my feet to my hip bone would be shattered if I do some stuff like that. So those are just some of the reasons why when it comes to gymnastics, when it comes to women's gymnastics, I'm just not really rip, roaring, ready, and riled up to go in terms of watching them perform. I, I, I hope they do well. I'm rooting for them. I think it's fantastic, and I think that uh, within the community of gymnastics, if they can parlay their success and their fame into making millions upon millions of dollars and have an impact and cause other young girls to go ahead and want to be gymnasts and do all those type of things, everything that becomes of being a great gymnastics, gymnastics person, I want these girls to reap all the awards. I want them to get all the fame and the accolades and the glory and the money and the opportunities that uh, can be bestowed upon them until the day they leave their earth, whether it be eight decades from now or eight minutes from now. I want them to um, reap the rewards of all of their hard work. They're outstanding, highly, tal- highly talented uh, females, both physically and mentally. At that age, to be performing in front of a platform, in front of a stage like that, at that age, and be able to do what they do with the hard work and the dedication. Hey, man. You know them. Them girls at that young age are tougher, much more tougher mentally than I'll ever be. So I have nothing but respect for them. But you know, it just doesn't move me enough to uh, go one way or the other about the women's gymnastics. Again, I hope they do well, but I'm not going to lose my mind if they don't. And what Simone Biles did? Hey, she was um, she wasn't feeling up to it mentally. She wasn't there, so she decided not to do it. I mean. For for me, from my perspective, doesn't make her a hero. It doesn't make her a villain. Just doesn't uh, move the needle emotionally f- for me one way or the other. I mean, it's her decision. She's doing it. She's not out there performing for her country. She's out there performing for herself. She's not winning gold medals to uh, so so uh, this country can go ahead. She's not giving those gold medals to this country. She's doing this for herself. The reap. The, the, the rewards or the failures, that's going to fall down upon Simone Biles. It's not going to fall down upon the ignorant, selfish, uh, divided, racist states of America. It has nothing to do with that. If Simone Biles would have won the um, gold medals and done everything that she did, Joe Biden is still going to tell the uh, Afghanis to uh, go ahead and good luck to you. We're still leaving the country. So, you know, whether Simone Biles won gold or not... Doesn't affect your job. Now, if Simone Biles winning gold medals and competing in the Olympics meant that, um, you know, it would determine whether I have a roof over my head or whether I still have a job or for you, if you can still go ahead and feed your family, if you can go take care of your uh, your family members and such. If it came down to that, well, then, yeah, I'd be much more invested and maybe I would get a little bit more ornery or maybe I would be a little bit more perturbed about Simone Biles doing what she doing, what she did. If it meant that all of a sudden now I couldn't be living in this wonderful, beautiful place that I call my town home right now in Northwest Centennial Hills, Nevada. Maybe if there was some way that, you know, what her quitting meant that, uh, you know, I had to look for another job or I couldn't substitute up a mesquite anymore or I couldn't make the type of money that I'm making. Yeah, maybe I would be a little bit more angry or maybe I would be a little bit more um, emotional in a negative way towards Simone Biles. But uh, last time I checked doesn't affect me one way or the other. So it's an Olympic competition. This ain't war. This isn't something where if Simone Biles does great, that ISIS is going to be defeated, that all of a sudden black folks and brown folks and poor folks in this country are going to get a fair shake by the judicial system or the housing discrimination is going to go away or that type of thing. So to me, hey, she um, decided that uh, mentally she wasn't ready for it. All right. All right. Now you could make the argument because of my lack of passion toward U.S. gymnastics, that what Simone Biles did really didn't move the needle for me one way or the other. Well, Wendell, in that case, let's go to another sport that you feel passionate about. What happens if um, Kevin Durant, all of a sudden, after the France after the gaming against France, in the opening in the um, in the opening uh, game for the Olympics? After France won, what, 82-76 or 83-76, Durant scored 10 points, fouled out, didn't have a good game. What happens if um, Kevin Durant went to great Pop Division and said, Pop, I can't play anymore. Mentally, I'm just done. I'm not feeling it, not into it. I got to go. I miss my mom. I missed my family. Um, you know, this is just a little bit too tough. We're being isolated here in Japan. You know, all this stuff that's going down. Just not feeling it. I'll see you later. I'm taking off. Good luck, Kelvin Johnson. You're good. You can go ahead and take my place. Take it easy. If, and, 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 and people are going to make that comparison in terms of, uh, you know, mental health because there's still a stigma of mental health that people still don't take seriously. Again, as I mentioned before, Simone Biles suffered a, ankle injury or tore a muscle or something like that and couldn't compete, well, then people would be like understanding. But because of quote unquote mental health issues, which people are saying, "I'll oh, get over yourself. What do you mean mentally? We button up, you know, toughen up buttercup and all those type of things. Life is tough. Be tougher. Because we still have that stigma from some ignorant folks who think that's what mental health is all about. But we're speaking about mental health issues. You know, Simone Biles is all of a sudden a quitter and all these type of things. Wendell, what would your emotional level be? Because I know how much you love basketball. I know how much you know you love the uh, 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 USA basketball team and you wanted to see them win gold and you were definitely rooting for Greg Popovich after some of his mishaps, mishaps and failures as being an international coach or being an international um, assistant coach. You were really striving and wanting to see him get a gold medal. If Kevin Durant pulled a Simone Biles and said that I'm leaving, that I'm not playing basketball for the United States anymore because of mental health issues, what would your reaction be? Would your reaction be something around what you have right now for Simone Biles? Or would you go the ignorant Clay Travis or some of these other fucking jackasses route and start calling Kevin Durant un American and calling him a quitter and calling him a mental midget and calling him un American and calling him a diva and calling him a psychopath and, and all those type of things. My answer to that question would be, I would feel a little bit more like, damn, KD, you can't, you know, somehow, some way, you know, just, I mean, maybe you can come back in the next game. Maybe take a game off and, I mean, and come back to try again or something, man. I mean, we, we, we do need you. I mean, this, that, and the other. But if that would be his decision, I would live with it. I'd be like, all right, man. I mean, you know, again, who are you playing for? What really are the meaning of these games? you know, when we're speaking about the Olympics. Again, Kevin Durant is not playing for my livelihood. Kevin Durant is not playing for the safety of this country. If the basketball team from America loses and doesn't meddle, it doesn't mean that we as a country have become weaker. We as a country have become more vulnerable. Me, we as a country have become more uh, open for attacks. Other countries don't need to go ahead and try to topple this democracy. We have a portion of Americans who are trying to do that already. They're called Trumpsters. So, you know, other folks don't need to go ahead and try to look for some type of weakness for them to attack. I guess anybody with a brain in their head from overseas are taking a look at what's going on right now and say this this country is uh, destroying itself with the amount of idiots that they have in this country. So, for me, United States winning a gold medal in basketball, yeah, it'd be great. It'd be awesome. But if they don't, a little disappointed, but am I gonna start calling Kevin Durant a quitter and un-American if he decided that you know what after the France game where they lost, you know what, I'm done, I'm, I'm 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 out of here, mental health issues, it's been a long season, this, that, and the other? No, of course not. Of course I wouldn't do that. So that would be my that would be my deal. You know. Folks who don't have any type of vested interest at all in gymnastics who probably don't even know anything about gymnastics except for every four years they go ahead and go on the olympics they don't know about worlds and they don't know about any other competition between the summer olympics every four years these folks who know absolutely nothing about gymnastics other than the name simone biles were just killing this woman we're just just going all out like, man, why is it a big deal that she decided not to compete in the events? What is, what's in it for you? Do you have money? Did you have, did you bet the mortgage on the, uh, on America winning in the overall gymnastics and Biles doing this, that, and the other? Is that the reason why you're so angry and upset and this, that, and the other? Because I don't get it. I don't understand where you're coming from. And for all those fucking idiots who want to sit there and say, well, you know, Biles is the quitter. She's mentally weak. Do you? you fucking idiots? And of course the answer is no. Either no, I don't know, or yeah, I do know, but my audience doesn't know. And since my audience is stupid enough to listen to me, is brain dead to listen to me, that I can feed these fucking sheep any type of bullshit and they'll eat it. So yes, I do know, but for ratings, for prestige, for... Uh, bonuses because of high ratings that I'm going to continue to feed them this bullshit because that's what these fucking stupid motherfuckers want to eat namely my listening audience That yeah I know what's happening with Simone Biles in her background and what type of obstacles and, and uh, things that she overcame but I don't need to tell my audience that because my audience, whether it's because she's black, whether it's because she's a woman, whether it's because they're just fucking stupid, whether because they're miserable human beings who's never accomplished anything in life and don't like anybody who has, are looking for a reason to be a Simone Biles hater, that I can just go ahead and continue the argument or continue the discussion that she's a quitter, that she's no good, that she's a bum, that she's this, that, and the other without having to uh, talk about, without having to reveal that Biles' aunt had passed away unexpectedly two days before the BEAM event final, and also that she had overcome uh, Larry Nasser, that she was one of more than 150 uh, women and girls who were sexually assaulted by that piece of shit while Nasser was working as a doctor for Michigan State University and USA Gymnastics. So we're speaking about a woman who Mother left her very early. She was raised by her grandparents, so she had to come. She had to overcome a lot of things. She had to overcome a lot of things that I'm guaranteeing that 80, 85, 90, 95, 99% of you fucking idiots that are calling her a quitter, that are calling her weak, that are calling her a mental midget, that are calling her that she's got no mental fortitude and everything. Simone Biles has been through more obstacles to reach her success than you punk ass bitches ever could if you guys face the same amount of obstacles the same amount of adversity the same amount of challenges that simone biles did I am guaranteeing you fucking assholes who are calling her mentally weak, that are calling her a diva, that are calling her anti-American, there's no fucking way in hell that you assholes would have gotten to where she was today or anywhere close. So before you stupid motherfuckers start calling somebody weak, a mental midget, that she's a quitter, that she has no heart, that she's mentally weak, before you stupid motherfuckers start saying that dumb shit, Maybe you should do a little research. Maybe you should do a little homework. Maybe you should do a little common sense thinking before you start saying those things. And again, I go to the point where what's in this for you? What's in it for you? Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host. Wendell Wallace. so glad that you could be with us. So yes, criticism came from all over, from all parts of the world, right? This guy, uh, Olga uh S-A-K-B-E-E-V-A, Sabiva, whatever, he, she, whatever. She's the host of the Kremlin-sponsored TV 60, like the Russian equivalent to 60 Minutes. This is what she said on the air concerning Simone Biles. According to her passport, she is actually a woman. What this woman has been taking in order to look like this, God only knows. She supposedly has heart problems and therefore is gobbling up metal, uh, Melodonum, and all kinds of other stuff. Now look at our gymnasts. They're one third her girth and actually look like girls. They also look like people, but Simone looks like devil knows what. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Man, Fox News heard that and was like, hey, can we get her on for the 8 o'clock Eastern program? Can we uh, pair her up with Hannity or uh, maybe Tucker Carlson? She'd fit right in. Wow. Okay. Okay. Of course... No surprise, criticism coming from this country, of course. The fucking shit stain of life, Clay Travis, who if I ever saw on the street, I would gladly spend six months in di- six months in jail for assaulting him and uh, Buck Sexton. What those two fucking assholes said on their radio show. This is what Saxt- Sexton said. Buck Sexton. First of all, no wonder this guy is fucking angry. Your name is Buck? What is, is that a nickname or did your mom actually name you Buck? What Sexton said now, see, now I'm going down to their level. What Sexton said, we all have emotional and physical struggles. That's just a consistent of being a human being. But what about your teammates? Why is this brave? What's brave about not being brave? Because that's what we're talking about here. This is, oh, you didn't stand up to the bully, so to speak. No, I think that's not. So uh, uh, let me see. Um, why is this brave? What's brave about not being brave? Because that's what we're talking about here. This is, oh, you didn't stand up to the bully, so to speak. No, I think that's not that's the uh, not brave move. So what Travis said was the blue checks have already rallied to Simone Biles' defense and said, oh, we're so brave. I think that we have created a generation of athletes that Get influenced by the pressure and the constant drumbeat of interactions on social media, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it might be, and those apps I believe are profoundly unhealthy for most teenagers. Simone Biles is 24 years old, jackstick. A lot of times you're listening to people who don't understand you are very well, who don't understand you very well, and you allow their perspective on you to overwhelm you psychologically. I mean kind of like what you're doing there, Travis. how, how well do you know Simone Biles? How, how well do you know Simone Biles to uh, make these accusations that she's weak or that uh, she's not being brave? How, how well do you know Simone Biles? Again, do you know her background? Do you know the things that she overcame? I think we have created a generation of athletes that get influenced by the pressure and the consistent drum beats of interactions on social media. So, uh, Travis, you don't get uh, you don't get influenced by that? You don't look at your Twitter account. You don't look at your social media accounts. Those things don't kind of guide you on what you're going to be speaking about. Those things don't kind of give you an idea of where to go and what to say and what to do in terms of uh, the uh, thoughts and opinions and, and issues that you're going to be talking about. Those things that don't do that. So you don't check Instagram. I don't even know if the motherfucker has Instagram, but Twitter and others. Social media accounts. I know you have Twitter, Travis. So you're going to try to tell me that you're completely devoid of looking at those things when you're speaking about what we need to do to be talking about. The blue checks have already rallied to Simone Biles' defense and said, oh, it's so brave. This is a motherfucker who's talking about the last president who he defended on and on and on and on and on. Go fuck yourself, Clay Travis. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself, you and Buck. Both of you can go fuck yourselves. The turning point... USA founder and right-wing podcaster, Charlie Kirk. Him, a, coll- a community college dropout. He said on his podcast, you're representing your nation, you selfish psychopath. Oh, so he called herself a, a psychopath. Do you know who has gold? You know who has the gold medal? Russia. I have to look at the 411 Olympian chewing on their gold medal, smirking at the Americans. I'm not okay with that. Who the fuck are you? Who the fuck are you? Who the fuck are you? I'm not okay with that. Who the fuck are you? Why is that a big deal? Why is that a big deal, Charlie? Who gives a fuck if, if, if we lose a gold medal to the Russians? Big fucking deal. It's a sporting event. Who cares? Those women in Russia, in other countries, they work hard. They sacrifice. They do what they need to do. If they're better on this certain day than our country, so be it. Again, I'm still going to have the roof over my head. I'm still going to be able to put food on my table. You're still going to be able to take care of your loved one. Who cares? It's a sporting event. This jackass also said, We are raising a generation of weak people like Simone Biles before calling her immature and a shame to this country. Simone Biles just showed the rest of the nation that when things get tough, you shatter into a million pieces. Go fuck yourself. Do you know anything about the about her background? You community college dropout piece of shit. Do you know anything about her background? You couldn't even make it out of community fucking college. and She's up here being one of the greatest Olympians of all time. A lot of the stuff that she had to overcome. Who the fuck are you to be judging anybody? Calling her a psychopath. Calling her a shame to this country. Calling her immature, talking about you shatter into a million pieces when things get tough. What the hell are you talking about? You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. But, being a far right winger, the idiots who listen to your show, and you gotta be a certain kind of stupid to actually A, listen to the man's show, and B, actually put validity and validate the stupid shit that he's saying... If you agree with this, just like Alex Jones and the rest of those fucking clowns, you are a weak-minded, fucking stupid-ass individual. I don't know you, but from those actions, I can deduce that you are a weak-minded, piece of shit, brain-dead individual. If you really believe that Simone Biles, like Charlie Kirk said, maybe he's doing it for theater, maybe he's doing it for downloads, maybe he's doing it for reviews and rates, but if you really think that Simone Biles because of uh, the mental health issues that she had that made her pull out of the Olympics. If you're thinking that she's immature, that she is a disgrace to the country, that she is mentally weak, that when things get tough, she shatters into a a million pieces, if you're calling her a, a selfish psychopath, if you really believe those things about Simone Biles, you're a fucking idiot. You are a fucking moron. Congratulations. You are a fucking moron if you believe those things. In a tweet, deputy, Texas Deputy Attorney General Aaron Reitz called Biles a national embarrassment. Yes, this is the same Texas deputy, deputy uh, attorney. Yes, in the same, same state where Dan Patrick, the lieutenant governor, said that the reason why COVID is on the rise is because of, of black people. This is the same state where Ted Cruz and Louie Gomer were elected. So you can tell, you know, making stupid ass comments just kind of blends right in with the, um, with the other jackasses that they have representing that state. So in a tweet, uh, he called Biles a national embarrassment. The t- the tweet was a response to a conservative publisher who had posted a video of a famous performance at the 1996 Atlanta Olympics in which the gymnast Carrie Strug landed on one foot after performing on the vault with a broken ankle. So, you know, I guess he was like, yeah, this is what a real American is, you know? Someone who does this, this, that, and the other. So, as I mentioned before, Simone Biles owes nothing to me, owes nothing to you, owes nothing to the far left, the far right, the center. Doesn't She doesn't know anybody, anything. Black people in this country, for we owe this country nothing. We're still waiting for this country to completely give us what what they owe us. Speaking about owing people, speaking about quitting on people, speaking about being an embarrassment, this country is already an embarrassment. I'm sorry, does anybody remember the last election? We lost all our credibility. We lost all our respect as a country back then. It wasn't like we were in high standards and then Simone Biles quit and the rest of the countries were like, oh, fuck that. United States is weak. United States, this, that, and the other. No, 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 no. no. Well, when we elected a con man racist game show host as our president and then 78 million idiots decided to, thought that was a good idea to reelect elect him. No, that's when, during that time period, that's when this country lost a lot of respect. Not only from the people of abroad, but also people who are living here. So... Simone Biles owes this country nothing. And black people and brown people and poor people owe this country nothing in terms of, uh, you know, being good people and being um, civilized civilians and doing the right thing and not committing and breaking laws. So don't give me that bullshit. Simone Biles, you keep doing what you're doing. Simone Biles, stay strong. Simone Biles, keep living your life. Simone Biles, do your thing. Simone Biles, if this is going to be the last time that we see you in the the Olympics, thank you very much. Simone Biles, you keep being Simone Biles. Black, white, conservative, Democrat, whatever. You don't owe anybody anything. John Jay University and since kindergarten I acquired the knowledge and after 12th grade I went straight to college down with the kings on the microphone swing up the p to the r not an r and singer the r to the undmc and the fly human beings tonight i hold the key it with the folk track hit a soul brother black pick up the bass better yet through the space so let me put my big black 20 on into the early morning had the skins yawning mecca yo you want the mecca yo i make a funky beat so we can blow check it out those world and sports i'm your host Wonderwall is so glad that you be with us. To be with you. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. Took a little time off. What happened was I was gonna take just a week off. And I should have put something there in terms of a best of I don't know, man. But uh you know, I've been trying to lose a lot of weight. I've been trying to uh, work out, and I've been trying to, uh, you know, get ready for school. And there are some goals weight-wise that uh, I'm trying to uh, get back to. And so I was working out, and I was really concentrating the month of July of working out, getting in shape, getting ready for when school started out here in Clark County, August 9th. So because of that, I my my, my focus and my attention towards do- doing podcasts. Really took a hit because my main focus was all about, you know, trying to get stronger, trying to go to my body pump classes, trying to uh, get on the treadmill, trying to get on the Stairmasters, trying to uh, do what I needed to do to lose as much weight as possible. So after I did my one podcast, and my podcast in July were pretty sporadic, but once I did my last podcast, I think around the uh, 27th or something like that of July, I said, I'm going to concentrate, really get myself ready back to school, um, Work out this, that, and the other. And so I was going to do that. So the week of the 9th, I was going to put out a podcast, either that 10th or the 11th of August, somewhere around there. That's where I was going to come back. So when I went to school to get back to school the first day, well, number one, I was going to take the first week of school off because the first week the kids are back. And normally at that time, teachers don't usually take time off at the beginning of the school year, the first week, the first day of the school period, and I don't do vacancies, so I definitely wasn't going to be worried about that. So normally for me, throughout my career as a substitute teacher here in Clark County, I usually take the first two to three weeks off, have the kids get situated, have the kids uh, rip-roaring, ready to go, and then when teachers start um, taking time off, that's when I swoop in and uh, see what I can do. But because of the shortages out here in terms of teachers, that uh, and also with some teachers testing positive for COVID and such like that, I was uh, right off the bat needed. So um, that kind of set me back a little bit. So a couple of the classes that I went to where I thought I could go ahead and kind of maneuver my time to uh, get started and put some stuff together so I can go ahead and record got kind of messed up because instead of being in the classroom the first day, they sent me to a gym so I could substitute for a PE class where there's no preps and there's no computers available then the second day the third and the fourth day which was tuesday wednesday and thursday i was called out to uh mesquite so during those times i couldn't record anything because i wasn't going to be at home then i came back home on that friday and i went to a class substituted a class got everything rip roaring ready to go on my flash drive except when i left the school i left without my flash drive god damn it you stupid son of a bitch motherfucker wendell wallace So that set me back a little bit. Then this week, I was up in Mesquite the entire week doing health and gym. So, you know, I had to hodgepodge some things, but I was up there the whole week. So the only time that I could get back to record is today, August 20th. So it's been a little bit of time for me in between in terms of uh, putting stuff together and finally getting an opportunity to um, podcast and record But uh, now since things are going, now since things are moving, now since things are grooving, since now my schedule is set basically until October, I can go ahead and know that I can go ahead and put some stuff down here and I can go ahead and record there and I can go ahead and do some stuff here and there and try to get my YouTube channel going and the kids at school are giving me some ideas in terms of, okay, this is how you create an effective YouTube channel in terms of with the edits, in terms of what the credits, in terms of with the background, in terms of with the making it cool, making it nice. So learning from the kids in that respect. But uh, that's one of the reasons why that was the main reason why I haven't recorded any podcast in a while. First, it was trying to work out and then c- certain circumstances where I thought I would have enough time to read, research, collaborate, put some stuff together, and then record that uh, got thrown out the window because I was needed by the Clark County School District to go ahead and start substituting earlier than expected. But I'm back, and I'm rip-roaring, ready to go. Wendell's World and Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. So congratulations to the USA men's basketball team. Won their fourth consecutive gold medal by beating France 87-82. Kevin Durant was the difference in the game, agon. Scoring 21 of his 29 points in the first half. It was needed because uh, the team was not making any three-point shots, especially in the first half or the th- third game in a row. Four for 18, three-point range in the game, gold medal game against France. So in that three-game stretch, they were 10 for 20, uh, 10 for 48 in the first half. And you can actually say if it wasn't for Rudy Gobert missing free throws, that maybe we'd be speaking about France winning the gold medal and the United States basketball team with a joke and Pop, Ray Popovich is an utter failure and Jerry Colangelo is old and is a dinosaur and this is a disgrace. And and, and maybe the um, Clay Travises of the world can go ahead and start calling uh, Kevin Durant and Drew Holiday un-American and psychopaths and divas and all this other bullshit and all this other nonsense. So, you know... That's the case, but Gobert went 6 of 13 from the foul line. He damn near fouled out everybody on our team, and uh, or got everybody on our team in foul trouble, especially the first half, but it was a solid performance. Uh, the basketball team, America's basketball team, got up early, got a little dicey, got a little bit close, but, um, you know, that's the, uh, that's the deal, man. And we're speaking about the uh, USA men's basketball team earning their fourth gold medal. So what should the takeaways be from this gold medal winning team? Now, if we put this in the Pantheon, especially when we're putting it in the Pantheons of the all-time great Olympic basketball teams that have featured NBA basketball players, starting with the 1992 Dream Team, leading all the way up to this present uh, team, representing this country as far as basketball, men's basketball is concerned. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. The dream team concept for men's basketball in this country, dead, gone. I don't want to ever hear. I don't give a damn who's participating. I don't give a damn who's playing. That moniker, the dream team, which was put on the men's USA basketball team, that's no longer. That is fully represented proudly, strongly by the women's basketball team in this country. They are the dream team. No longer is it the men? And it has nothing to do with, uh, you know, our stature in the game. It has. It, it, we, there's no one in this country who we blame while why we're no longer blowing teams out by 40 and 50 points uh, from these other countries. Nothing. The rest of the basketball world has just caught up to us. And they're catching up. Now, if we're speaking about, you know, we could take a look at Giannis from Greece, two-time MVP. Luca, who's going to win multiple MVPs, and is going to solidify his place as one of the greatest basketball players of his generation and one of the all-time greats if he continues on the path that he's going, which at 21, 22 years old, if you could make a strong argument that in the Olympics, outside of KD, he was the most impressive and best player playing basketball in that tournament. It's going to be his league in another two, three, four, five years, and he's going to hold on to it as far as being one of the guys, the faces of the league and being one of the best players of, of, in the league for many years to come, especially with his style of play, which doesn't rely on uber-athleticism and such like that. It relies on genius and guile and skill and footwork. Luka has all of those. At 22, this guy is going to rule the NBA for the next 10 or 12 years. From Slovenia. And he'll probably go down as the greatest international basketball player of all time. That's where Luka is standing right now. Possibly a top 10, 15 all-time great basketball player when everything is said and done. That's Luka's potential right now. So we have stuff like that. If you take a look at this year's All-NBA First Team, you have three international players. Giannis, Nikola Jokic, and Luka. Kawhi and Steph rounded out the... uh, Rounded out the uh, starting five. The most dominant big man in the game and top three player when healthy in the game would have won the MVP if he could have remained healthy. Joel Embiid. He's from Cameroon. The best defensive interior player in the league is from France. Rudy Gobert. These guys are coming, man. These guys are coming. Now, why do I say this country still had the best chance of continuing their dominance in basketball? Well, it's because we take a look at all these great players that are coming from these other countries. Now, these players aren't coming from just one uh, country. We still have KD. We still have Steph. We still have LeBron. We still have AD. We still have Kawhi. Those are all coming from this country. Joel, Africa or Cameroon, uh, Luca, Slovenia, Giannis, Greece. Jokic, another European country who I forget right now, but they're coming from all over, but they're not coming from one particular country. The only country that has done that for the last, I would say 20 years has been Spain and Argentina, where you had a great influx of great players just coming from one particular country. And they still did not match the dearth of talent overall that we have as far as basketball players from one country, which is, Uh, The racist, ignorant, selfish states of America. So when you take a look at the 2020 men's basketball team for this country, it's the least talented NBA players USA team ever. Because you take a look at the players who didn't play in these Olympics. We didn't have LeBron, Steph, Kawhi, James Harden, Kyrie, Anthony Davis, Zion, Klay Thompson, Chris Paul, Trey Young. Bradley Beale, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, for mitigating circumstances, for other circumstances, injury, uh, rest, um, you know, COVID. But you take a look at those players who missed, you would say that this team that still won the gold medal against a very talented group of, of teams from other countries something that uh, we should applaud. Something that I think that's uh, fantastic. Take a look at the uh, USA roster for this Olympic team. Only superstars were KD and Damian Lillard, who was fighting through injuries throughout the um, Olympic competition. So we couldn't perform like the Damian Lillard that we've seen uh, in the regular season for Portland and even in the playoffs. Who's the other superstar on this team besides KD and Damian Lillard? The other players on the team of importance who had some playing time, Bam on Bayou, Devin Booker, Draymond Green, Drew Holiday, Zach Levine, Chris Middleton, Jason Tatum. None of those players who I just mentioned, who made up the core, the foundation of the team, played significant roles on this team. None of those guys who I just mentioned has ever made an all-NBA team. They have combined for 12 all-star games. All-star games. Booker, Tatum, Middleton, each have two. Draymond has three. Out of Bayou, Levine, and Holiday have one. 12 all-star games. That's it. No all-NBA teams. Outside of Durant, three of the players on the team have won championships. Draymond had three. Holiday and Middleton just won theirs for Milwaukee. Compare this squad to the other NBA-led Olympic teams in terms of talent alone. I mean, look, the Dream Team... Unsurpassed for the most part, Bird Magic, MJ, my man Patrick Ewing, Barkley, John Stockton, Carl Manetteoun, David Robinson, Scotty Pippen, Chris Mullen. You take a look at the 96 Olympic team that had Charles Barkley, Grant Hill, still Grant Hill playing for Detroit before the broken ankles sabotaged the greatness of his career. So you had Barkley, Grant Hill, who was supposed to be the next MJ, by the way, Reggie Miller. Hakeem Olajuwon, Shaq, Gary Payton, Malone Stockton, David Robinson, holdovers from the 1992 team along with um, Charles Barkley. Then you take a look at the 2000 team, which if you take a look at that roster just based on talent alone, outside of this squad in 2004, this probably had the least amount of talent when you're speaking about NBA Olympic uh, squads with Gary Payton, Kevin Garnett, Vince Carter, From Georgetown University, Alonzo Mourning, Tim Hardaway, Jason Kidd, Steve Smith, Antonio McDays, Allen Houston. I mean, that's still a really talented team. That's still a great team. But what I'm saying, when you compare it in terms of some of the other squads that have been representing this country in the Olympics with NBA players, you know, that squad right there might not hold up in terms of just talent alone. I'm not speaking about chemistry or anything like that. I'm just speaking about on talent alone. NBA players were still easily winning champion or still winning gold medals, um, you know, with these guys. So, you know, it wasn't a struggle. That two thousand squad didn't struggle. Vince Carter jumping over Frederick Weiss for the um for the uh, highlight of the Olympics. 2014, that lost Argentina in the semifinals, won bronze. Okay, that was probably the second least talented team, but that still had Tim Duncan, Allen Iverson, Stephon Marbury before he went off the deep end, Sean Marion, Richard Jefferson, Lamar Odom, and in the wings waiting, some young cats who were going to represent this country and be the focal points and be the foundation and be the stars and be the catalyst for success for the Olympic games to come that were just getting their feet wet for the experience. On that 2014 were three guys, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony. If you remember, none of those guys got a lot of playing times. And it was up to Coach Popovich, who was the assistant coach to Larry Brown, to kind of keep them, you know, motivated and to keep them focused and to kind of say, hey, you know what, I know you're not playing this, that, and the other, but, you know, you know, stay with us, stay with the program, do that type of thing. So basically, if you want to say that it was uh, Popovich um, uh, orders, marching orders to babysit those guys, to placate their egos, you could say that. But, you know, on that team, yeah, you had d Carmelo, and LeBron, but they weren't the d Wade, LeBron, Carmelo group that we would see in future Olympics and doing some things. So that team was mainly based around... Tim Duncan, Richard Jefferson, Sean Marion, Lamar Odom, Allen Iverson, Tim Duncan, and that type of thing. Larry Brown, a complete disaster as a coach on that team. Now, he was doing some embarrassing things to represent our country during those Olympics. But uh, that was the least, second least talented team. And still, you're speaking about Iverson, Duncan, uh, MVPs, and um, uh, and, uh, Hall of Famers, so... You know, so after we lost in 2004, everybody got their uh, motivation back and everybody got their, uh, you know, revenge is best served cold and, you know, James Brown, the big payback in, into their uh, hearts for the 2008, which was called the Redeem team. And we went from having NBA coaches, you know, kind of rotate from year to year to year, whether it be Lenny Wilkins to Rudy Tomjanovich to um, uh, George Carl to... Uh, Larry Brown, that's when Mike Krzyzewski came in and with the 2008 team, which wanted to take revenge and reestablish our our place in the basketball world as being the best by far. That's when you had Jason Kidd, LeBron, d Carmelo, four years older and four years better and four years wiser and four years hungrier to erase the embarrassment. That was 2004. So you had LeBron, d Carmelo, Kobe came in, Chris Bosh, Chris Paul, so that team was highly, extremely competitive, uh, um, talented, but you also have to remember, you know, just because we got those guys back, again, more evidence that the world was catching up in the gold medal game, we beat Spain 118-107. This wasn't a, yeah, the redeemed team. We're going to take our place. We're going to reestablish our dominance and go back to beating everybody by 50 points. No, 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 no. no. That 1992 ain't coming around the bend, folks. Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, David Robinson, Patrick Ewing, Scotty Pippen, Christian Laettner, John Stockton, Chris Mullen. They're not coming through that door, folks, in 2008. And if they are, they're going to be old and gray and not be able to play with the teams that are playing today. Sorry. So if the wheels were set in motion, in terms of, hey, man, 16 years later, all of a sudden now, we've got some competition. We just can't walk on the court and have the other team go, oh, the United States, oh, and 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 roll out the ball and beat these guys by 30. No, the Gasol brothers weren't having that bullshit. They're like, no, we don't think so. We're just as good as you guys, and we're going to prove it. So despite the fact that the Redeem team had Awesome, talented, legendary, Hall of Fame players like Kobe and LeBron and Jason Kidd and Chris Bosh and Chris Paul and those guys. And that was the redeemed team where D Wade, Chris Bosh, and LeBron James decided to join forces. But uh, that that team didn't breeze through to the uh, to the gold medal. And then when you speak about 2012, which I'll argue and say that was the best. Olympic team ever. Better than 1992, Wendell, with MJ? Yeah, better than 1992 because Magic hadn't played because of the HIV, so we hadn't played in a while. Larry Bird had a bad back. John Stockton was injured and he only played spot minutes. You had Kristen Leitner, who was a nobody. So, yeah, arguably, 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 arguably the 2012 Olympic team was just as good or better than the 1992 Dream Team when you had in their prime, in their prime, in their prime, LeBron, Chris Paul, Kevin Durant was on the team, Anthony Davis was on the team, Kobe still in his prime, Westbrook, Carmelo in his prime, James Harden, that team was stacked, that team was loaded, that team was talented, that team was accomplished. And guess what? Despite all of those things, Did we beat every team by 50? No. Did we beat every team by 40? No. Did we beat every team by 20? No. We beat Spain in the gold medal game 107 to 100. And we led that game by only one point after three quarters, and the game was still in doubt until about two minutes left to play when LeBron scored on a dunk and then hit a three-pointer and Kobe hit some uh, tough shots to to put the team up for good. That wasn't a yawner. That wasn't a laugher. That wasn't, um, uh, you know, this, that, and the other. Other teams were catching up. So the Saint known as Mike Krzyzewski, who came in and was supposed to uh, reestablish dominance in terms of having the same type of dominance that the 1992 and 96 squads had, that wasn't happening. The influx of international talent was coming into our game. Now all of a sudden, yeah, LeBron's a shit, Kevin Durant's gonna be a is gonna be a murderer on the court. Anthony Davis looks like he's gonna be the next Tim Duncan. Yeah, Russell Westbrook is like the Tasmanian Devil who has a house size shot. Yeah, Carmelo is a uh, Olympic whiz. James Harden, who barely got any playing time, was just getting his feet wet with that team. That's how good and that's how deep that team was. But again, in the game gold medal game against Spain, where you had the Gasol brothers, where you had Serge Ibaka. And when you had other players who had played in the league, so they played against LeBron. They played against Chris Paul. They played against AD. They played against Kobe. They know those guys. Guess all and Kobe won titles together. There's no fear. There's no awe in the eyes of these teams. They know that they could play with these guys, and Spain knew that they could beat them, and they damn near did. This gap between the best team, the USA, and Spain, the second best team, was closing. Every single year, the 2016 team, Kevin Durant, now at his height of his powers, you had Kyrie, who and uh, those two along with DeAndre Jordan, that was the team that uh, that was the uh, Olympic team where those three decided that you know what wouldn't it be cool to play together? But you had Durant, you had Kyrie, you had Carmelo finishing up his um, Olympic experience, you had Draymond, you had Kyle Lowry, you had Jimmy Butler, you had Paul George, you had Clay Thompson. That was a fabulous team. So you take a look at the talent, you take a look at all of those things, and then you compare them with the 2020 Olympic team and some of the adversity that they went through and some of the talent that they didn't have and the overall composition of the team and how much or how little time they had to practice and get to know each other because of COVID, because of the uh, NBA finals, because of the fact that, you know, three of the guys after playing in the NBA finals took a plane over to the country of Japan, and then coach was like, how you doing? As soon as they got off the, uh, got off the tarmac and said, how you doing? Here's your jersey. Going in and check in for, uh, go in and check in for Zach Levine. You're going to be playing major minutes. Difficult time. Difficult time for everybody. But for uh, this, uh, this team to do what they did with the lack of uh, time for chemistry and all those type of things, proud of them. You should be proud of them. I know people are going to sit there and be like, well, look at Spain. Look at uh, look at France. France, what do you got? What what do you got for France? Who do you got for France? What, Rudy Gobert? That's it? Evan Fournier? Fournier is not an all-star. Fournier can't start in everybody. We should be beating this team by 25 or 30 points. We should be beating this team by 15 points, 20 points easy. It's not like that anymore. It's not like that anymore. And for us arrogant, foolish Americans who still think that, shame on you. So I'm, I'm proud of Coach Popovich, too. I'm proud of him. While I'm speaking about it here on Wendell's World and Sports, the podcast was yours truly, Wendell Wallace, coaching an Olympic gold medal. Something that Phil Jacksons never did, won a gold medal. So, look, I'm, I'm proud because folks were coming at him and the team full force after the loss to France, which snapped a 24-game losing streak in the Olympic competition, then they were talking about, you know, they brought up uh, how bad of an international coach Greg Popovich is, and after that loss to France, they were talking about, you know, his roster is a joke, and he's clueless with an offense that unlocks very little of what players do well, and, you know, if Coach Krzyzewski was still coaching this team, that they would have won easily, and Mike DeCorsi at the Sporting News, he wrote a column talking about after France defeat, Greg Popovich running out of time to show he can win Olympics as Team USA coach and made the argument that college coaches are better prepared to coach an Olympic team than NBA coaches. So he went ahead and did that and brought up some nonsense about that. Joe Varden of The Athletic reported on July 27th that the the team was frustrated with uh, Popovich. It was reported that the players were frustrated, grumbling on their way back to the locker room about running the San Antonio offense in the game against France, when apparently they felt like there were better ideas. So, all of those things, after one loss to France, and of course, there was the embarrassment to Nigeria, and there was the loss, exhibition losses to Nigeria, and Australia, and so everybody was, of course, taking their shots and doing all these type of things, so I I loved it, the audio that I have, I loved it, absolutely loved it, when Coach, Coach Pop was giving his speech to the players after the game, and he was remiss to also mention the critics after winning the gold medal. And this is what my man, Coach Popovich said regarding the critics who were throwing dirt on the grades of this basketball team. It's an an honor uh, to
1: be a group of uh, Olympic champions. That's what you are. I just, I just got to tell you, I feel so fortunate having the opportunity to be with all of you guys, to be with the staff. Uh, we've gone through a lot, and as I said at the beginning, before the game started, all the challenges you guys met, and your courage and tenacity just worked right through it. In the beginning, you know, people were talking about, well, why is he on the team? You should have taken him. What happened to him? Why is he there? All, all the pundits, all these people who think they know something uh, and then you know we we start out getting our ass kicked uh, after a couple practices and you know there it comes again these guys this and that and the other and then comes COVID and the three guys walk off a plane the day before a game and you guys went through all that stuff and your families are sacrificing back there the same way and that's why I'm so proud to be part of this it's like the best feeling I've ever had in basketball and uh, I would just
0: like to say to all those people out there how the f*** you like us now love that man absolutely positively love that man call him a bully call him thin skinned call him a hypocrite go anywhere you want to Coach Popovich Grace Popovich is my man love that guy Love that guy, man. I mean, you talking about someone who I would love to work for, someone who I would love to play for, and that type of thing. It's the two guys who I've always stated would be Greg Popovich and Bill Belichick. Those are the two guys. And yeah, they, you know, their success speaks for itself. But, you know, just in terms of, um, you know, who they are, especially when you're speaking about Coach Pop as a, as a man, you know, what he stands for, his courage and everything. Love that guy. Love that guy. I'm, uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm a fool for Great Popovich, so you know I'm 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 that guy. <coughs> I am that guy. I'm a I'm a Popovich guy. So yeah, everything that he said was right on the money, in terms of everything they had they had to overcome, and everything that um, you know this was really the first time in a while where the clause came out in terms of the, the, the this team is not going to do this and this team is not going to do that and the, and the criticism that was being placed upon these guys. It was the first time in a while this has actually gone down. So for those guys who overcome that, yes, they had the most talent in the tournament. Yes, this argument could be made if it wasn't for Kevin Durant that they wouldn't be winning the gold medal or they wouldn't be golden medalists. You can, you can make those arguments if you want to and all those type of things of... You know, Durant decides that you know what, only played thirty-five games this year. I want to go ahead and skip the Olympics and get ready for next year. After the disappointment of losing to the Milwaukee Bucks and the season, which was kind of thrown out of whack, which really hadn't given me the enough enough time to really rest and recover. And this that the other Durant could have made up a lot of excuses or a lot of Durant could have had a lot of valid reasons on why he wasn't going to be playing for. Uh, This country in the Olympics, despite the fact, uh, you know, but but the fact that, uh, you know, he did great Olympian, great Olympian, and he's the MVP him drew holiday were the reasons why this team won the gold medal. Yes, Jason Tatum had some good games. And yes, I thought Draymond Green played well and Zach Levine played well. And, you know, for the most part, maybe except with the exception of Bam on the Bayou, those guys really played well. But uh, the catalyst, the foundation, the leader, Kevin Durant, was the main reason, along with the defense of Drew Holiday, why this country's basketball team, men's basketball team, are Olympic gold medal champions. So, Coach Pop, Damian Lillard, Kevin Durant, Zach Levine, Keldon Johnson, JaVale McGee, first time mother-daughter combo, has won an Olympic gold medal, all those guys, congratulations, well-deserved, you are... Olympic gold medal champions. Wendell's world of sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. The last segment of the program. Want to thank everybody for tuning in. Back after a little—I wouldn't call break—but uh, had to get things uh, situated, which I did. So now I'm rip roaring, ready to go. Going to be doing twice a week. Going to try to get my YouTube channel going. A lot of things that's going to be happening because I'm going to be spending a lot of time in Mesquite away from the equipment that I use to record. So if I can't record, your typical podcast in terms of with uh, Audacity and all those type of things. I better do some things to uh, get my YouTube channel going so I can start recording up at Mesquite and some of my favorite locations where I like to relax, get away from it all during the uh, nighttime before I have to go back to class the next morning, regroup my thoughts and think about life and contemplate and do all those type of things. So if I'm going to be up there doing that and in my favorite park in Bunkersville, I might as well go ahead and try to record some things and uh, put it on my YouTube channel and, uh, you know, Run it up the flagpole and see who salutes. So I will definitely be doing that. Also going to be doing a lot of uh, football talk. Not so much in this podcast, as I mentioned before. Really haven't been uh, paying too much attention to it. I mean, the first NFL preseason game, hardly any, if any, of the uh, starters played. Dak Prescott is not going to be playing this preseason. Aaron Rodgers is not going to be playing this preseason. The... Games the starters are going to be limited, so for the most part, you know, I can check out Trevor Lawrence, I can check out Justin Fields, I can check out De- um, uh, Zach Wilson, I can check out Trey Lawrence. I got a few more games to play before the start of the regular season. Games, uh, weeks, week two, and week three, even though without the four preseason games because of 17 playoff games. I don't know how much stock is going to be put into week three. I don't know as far as the preseason is concerned of the NFL franchise is going to be treating week three like they normally would week four in the preseason with week two being the main deal in terms of uh, the starters playing. But for the most part, I don't put too much stock into the preseason. Um, for the most part, the Hall of Fame game did nothing for me. So I'm still on the edges, keeping alert about what's going on. Josh Allen getting his contract and other things, but, uh, I'm not going to go rip roaring into the NFL until maybe another week, maybe the, uh, next podcast that I do. But, um, I'm really going to be getting into some college football because not only does it start earlier than the NFL. There's some also crazy stuff going on with uh, name, image, and likeness. And of course we have Texas and Oklahoma making that move to the SEC. And what does that mean for the big 12? And what does it mean for the pac 12? And what does it mean for uh, the other alliances, other conferences, maybe aligning with each other? Is that going to be the end of the big 12? Got to, Go ahead and consultate my man, Eric G, who does a fantastic show with Coach Pat Jones, the sports animal over in Tulsa. You can listen to him 11 to 2, Monday through Friday. But I got to consult with him in terms of getting down. He is, speaking about the G-man, Eric G, the college football expert, my go-to guy, when I want to uh, get situated on what's happening with college football. So between now and my next podcast, I'll be uh, going ahead and doing that and getting educated in that regards, but uh, yeah, so all of those things, football mainly is going to be focused on, on my next podcast as well as SummerSlam that's going to be happening in a couple of days. And I guess I don't know when you're going to be listening to this podcast, but CM Punk returned to um, AEW Rampage. So uh, this should be interesting. Nice little um, play by AEW before SummerSlam over here in the Legion Stadium. With the WWE. Very interesting that they would go ahead and um, bring out CM Punk um, a couple of days before with the big news. Don't know how much of the shine, don't know how much of the attention, don't know how much they stole from the WWE with the signing, but Phil Brooks, aka CM Punk, back with um, AEW. All right, whatever. Sammy Gravala Gravala is still my guy, Ty Conti is still my gal. Jay Cargill, she was interested to see what she's doing. Now that MJF, I'm better than you, and you know it, had beaten Chris Jericho so we can go off and do his Fozzie tour, it'll be interesting what happens with the inner circle and see where that goes. So, um, yeah, AEW, my man Kenny Omega losing his uh, Impact title belt to Christian Cage, who then retired on the Impact show. So a lot of good things are happening in AEW, and I'm looking forward to the show. Watching the show on Peacock, the SummerSlam, see what happens with uh, Cena and Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns should win. Interested to see what happens with Bobby Lashley and Bill Goldberg. Lashley should win. And uh, that's about it. Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. If that if that match is still going to be taking place, I'm quite sure that Bianca Belair, Belair is going to win that. Are we going to see anything from the man, Becky Lynch? Is she going to be making an appearance or is WWE going to be saving her for a little bit later? I would think that maybe with the news with CM Punk, if they're going to try to supersede the news that um, AEW had with the CM Punk appearance in Chicago, that possibly, maybe, that, uh, you know, Becky Lynch would do something. But Vince knows this stuff a lot more than I do. So put my trust in him so you know we have that going forward edge and seth rollins that should be interesting so a lot of matches 10 matches for SummerSlam. so i'll be watching it on peacock and giving you my thoughts and feelings about that star studded event all right quickly let me get out of here with some free agency as far as the nba is concerned as we know teams that made some news some improvements for next season speaking about the los angeles lakers hey man are they back armando are they back in Championship fold. Are they back into the championship picture? Acquiring Russell Westbrook to form the big three with LeBron and Anthony Davis. Made the move to get Westbrook instead of going for Buddy Heald. Interesting. Very, very interesting. So um, they also acquired Carmelo Anthony, Malik Monk, Wayne Ellington for shooting, Kendrick Nunn. re-signed Dwight Howard or brought in Dwight Howard again. So you have the uh, Lakers' starter starting five looking like Westbrook, Ellington, LeBron, AD, and Marcus Paul, with the rotation player, players being Malik Bunk, Kendrick Nunn, Carmelo, and Dwight Howard. Interesting. What do you think? I've got some issues with this team. Number one, outside of Anthony Davis, who on this team is going to be playing the type of defense that Frank Vogel demands? Westbrook is not going to be that guy. Ellington's not going to be that guy. Kendrick Dunn is not going to be that guy. Marcus All is not going to be that guy. Carmelo Anthony isn't going to be that guy. All of those guys are below average to poor defensive players. So how much effort on a consistent basis is LeBron James going to give on the defensive end? Because he's going to be, what, 37 years old? Not 27 or 32. So how much effort of a defensive presence can he be on a consistent basis like I mentioned before Anthony Davis yeah he's going to be the guy but none of the other guys that I mentioned are really prolific or suitable defensive players so how is that going to look and of course who's going to be the outside shooter to space the floor for Russell Westbrook and LeBron Monk is more than the scorer than he is a shooter okay Wayne and Ellington okay fine but how much of a defensive liability can you have him be to get the positive of him being a shooter, of him being a three-point shooter? He's the best shooter on the team, but how can you play him in you know, in important minutes when he's such a liability on defense, especially when you're speaking about Frank Vogel being a defensive coach? And let's not forget the loss of Alice Caruso, who signed... With the Chicago Bulls, he was a guy, along with KCP, who was traded for um, during for, for, uh, was traded to um, Washington during the Russell Westbrook deal. So you're losing some guys who not only provide some shooting, as far as KCP is concerned, to stretch the floor, but also some defensive capabilities. So those are going to be the two things that I, I see is that are going to be the biggest question marks going into this season because Russell Westbrook is at his best when you can stretch the floor when you can give him angles, when you can give him avenues to uh, get to the basket. Russell Westbrook isn't a three-point shooter. He might be a little bit better on the pull-up game from 15 to 17 feet from both of the elbows, but his main deal is to bully ball or to uh, use his physicality and his strength and his athleticism, which at 33 is still prevalent, to get to the rim and score and get to the foul line. So what are we going to do about that? How is he going to be playing when, if Wayne Ellington isn't going to be, if Wayne Ellington isn't going to be in the game when Westbrook is going to be in the game, who is going to be the shooter on this team to open up the lane for Westbrook to take the ball to the basket and do what he does best? So that'll, that'll be interesting. And of course, with the Lakers, with this new team that they have, this new formation that they have, outside of Westbrook and LeBron, who's going to be the secondary ball handler? Who's going to be the other point guard? And if Westbrook gets injured, or if LeBron gets injured, who's going to be that guy? You can't play LeBron at the point point guard 48 minutes. You can't play Westbrook at that uh, position 48 minutes. Monk is a shooter. That's his specialty, a scorer. Not a shooter, excuse me, a scorer. So he can't play the point. Kendrick Nunn can't play the point. Wayne Ellington can't play the point. Michael Horton Tucker can't play the point. Who's going to play the point if anything happens to Westbrook or LeBron? And given their age and given their history of injuries, it's a pretty decent chance that uh, those guys are going to miss in games, whether because of injury or even load management. So who's going to be the ball handler for the Lakers? That's going to be my question. Those are my reasons for concerns. Those are my issues with that team. Now, the optimism about the Lakers that you're discussing on the last segment of Wendell's World in Sports, the podcast with yours truly, Wendell Wall, is the fact that they have the most top-end talent in the Western Conference. When you take a look at LeBron, you take a look at AD, still, when healthy, two of the top 10 players in the league, championship experience. Westbrook can still be a force when healthy. You saw the last 23 games with the Wizards when Washington willed their way into the playoffs, going 17 and 6, beating some pretty good teams. That, along with Bradley Beal, Westbrook was one of the main stars of that of that team that made the run to the playoffs. So Westbrook can still be a force when healthy. James, Davis, Westbrook. Let's compare them with some of the other contenders in the in the West as far as the best players are concerned. Phoenix has Devin Booker Chris Paul DeAndre Ayton Denver has Nikola Jokic Michael Porter Jr when is Jamal Murray going to come back Golden State Clay, Draymond Steph how how potent is Clay Thompson going to be when we're speaking about a quote unquote big three in the Western Conference to go up against the likes of LeBron Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook the Clippers they have Paul George but outside of that because of the ACL tear to the ACL tear to um, Kawhi Leonard, who who was who else is going to be that guy? Nicholas Batum, Reggie Jackson. Who's going to be that guy? The Dallas Mavericks have Luca, Porzingis, and who else? Who else did they get? Well, because they re-signed uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., that's going to be the guy. So when you take a look at the three main players or the three top-end players, then you're speaking about hey, you know what? LeBron, AD, and Westbrook. That looks right there that they could be, you know, having having a chance. The Lakers also now have multiple players who can score when James and Davis are not capable or not playing. Kendrick Nunn, Malik Monk, those guys can score. Those guys can put the ball in the basket, no question, no question about that. I mean, we're taking a look at a guy like Kendrick Nunn. First couple of years in the league, he averaged 15 points a game, had a career high of 36. Malik Monk, also a guy who can erupt. Average uh, 12 points per game each of his four years that he's been in the league. He's improved his uh, scoring, and he had a career high of 36. Someone has to uh, go ahead and take some of the uh, scoring responsibilities off of AD and LeBron. Is it going to be Russell Westbrook? If it's not going to be Russell Westbrook, there's a multitude of players. You're speaking about 82 games on any given night. Kendrick Nunn, Carmelo Anthony possibly can still do that at a handful of times. Can go ahead and uh, give you that 15 to 18 points per game anywhere on an average. And then between none, Malik Bunk, they can be capable of 15 to 18 point scores with those guys getting anywhere between 25 to 30 on a given night when need be. So as far as scoring is concerned, it's right there. So the Lakers, I don't know. You take a look, hey, how Phoenix still has the, Phoenix still has the, um, uh should have the respect of uh, being one of the elite teams. The re-signing of Chris Paul for the here and now is a good deal. So, you know, the Lakers are going to be in it. The Lakers are going to be right there. Those issues, though, just have me a little bit concerned. Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. The Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference. I mean, you're looking at an NBA season right now that is just going to be wide open when you speak about it. With the exception of the Brooklyn Nets, I mean, name me something right now. Name me a team right now that's going to be stacked. Name me a team right now that's going to be a super team. Name me a team right now outside of possibly an aging Los Angeles Lakers threesome of LeBron, Russell Westbrook, and an injury-prone Anthony Davis to go up with a team in Brooklyn that has Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving. But the Miami Heat made win moves now, getting the best free agent that was available, available in Cal Lowry. They went ahead and also got P.J. Tucker, two players that fit the uh, what the Heat culture. You know, it's going to improve their defense and improve their toughness. They re-signed Jimmy Butler, four years, $184 million. That contract looks cool now. That contract looks good now. And I don't know, year three or four of that contract, I don't know how great that's going to look, along with Kyle Lowry's contract. But as far as win-now situations, the Miami Heat he did some things to separate themselves from the Ulcerants from the Milwaukee Bucks and the Brooklyn Nets, who are still the leading contenders as we go into the season to win the Eastern Conference Championships. I think that the Miami Heat did what they needed to do to separate themselves from the Boston Celtics, the Indiana Pacers, the Charlotte uh, Hornets, and, and those type of teams. So as far as the best of the rest, the next level below the Milwaukee Bucks and the Brooklyn Nets, I think that you would have to go with the uh, I think that you would have to go with the uh, Miami Heat. And we still don't know what's gonna be happening with the um, Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah, they signed Joel Dumbeat had to do that, but what's gonna be up with Ben Simmons? What's happening with Ben Simmons? Daryl Morey, the uh, he's still talking about he wants a James Harden esque type deal for Ben Simmons. Don't see where that's coming from, but uh we'll see. We'll see. But uh, yeah, Milwaukee, Phoenix still should be elite contenders, and uh, it's going to be an interesting season for the NBA, but that is a few weeks away, and we got football to talk about. So, you know, next up, you know, next podcast, we'll see what happens with Aaron Rodgers. Deshaun Watson, what's going to be his situation? Can Tampa Bay repeat? Does Green Bay have a real shot? Aaron Rodgers talking about this is my last go around with the Green Bay Packers. Well, what happens if they make it to the Super Bowl? What happens if they win the Super Bowl? What's going to be happening six, seven months down the road as far as the attitude that Aaron Rodgers has now compared to what he has if the Packers go ahead and reach the ultimate goal and win the ultimate goal, which is the Super Bowl? What is going to be happening? What is going to be going on? Can the Kansas City used to be champions uh, get back to where they were, which were which were being Super Bowl champions? All of these things That we are going to be talking about that I'm excited to talk about in my next installment of Wendell's World in Sports. So I want to thank everybody for listening to the program. Thank you very much. Oh, I even forgot about the uh, New England quarterback competition with Cam Newton and Mac Jones, all that type of stuff. Bill Belichick will make the right decision, just like Sean Payton will make the right decision upon the starting quarterback competition being Jameis Winston versus Taysom Hill. So... Those things I will be discussing in my next podcast. I want to thank you very much for <clears throat> listening to the podcast. Time for me to go ahead and get something to eat because I am starving. We end with a little bit of soulfulness. We end with a little bit of William Bell. We end with a little bit of Rufus Thomas on the piano. We end with a little bit of in the beginning, you really loved me, but I was too blind. I couldn't see, but now you left me oh." Oh, how I've cried. You don't miss your water till your well runs dry. I should have said that in health class today with the kids if we were speaking about mental, emotional, and physical health. Trying to tell the kids, hey, man, if you don't take care of those three, then one is going to supersede the other. If you don't take care of the physical, then it doesn't matter what the emotional and the social is going to be. If you don't have any friends and you're lonely and you're depressed, it doesn't matter what type of shape you're going to be in. If you stress and you bring that type of stress and you bring the strain and stress to your body, it hurts the body. It doesn't matter how much you can bench press. It doesn't matter what your body fat is. It doesn't matter how many friends that you have. If you're always stressed, if you're always worried, if you're insecure and those type of things and you don't have a good knowledge of self and you don't have a good feeling with yourself and you don't have a good relationship with those around you, your loved ones, it's going to affect you. And I'm telling y'all, y'all are just starting the uh, school year. You guys are just starting high school. You guys are now in ninth grade. A, it goes by quick. And B, consider today the easiest day of your life because the next day is going to get harder. And then Monday is going to get harder. And then Tuesday is going to get harder. And then next year is going to get harder. And when you graduate from high school or drop out from this place is going to get harder. And when you have your first child and when you get married and when you have your first kiss and when you have your first girlfriend, when you get married and all those type of things, life only gets harder. So if your mentals and your physical and your emotional are not set, learning these type of things, building that foundation right now, it might seem ridiculous. It might seem who cares this right now. But I'm telling you, if you don't go ahead and start mastering these things now, now, August 20th, 2021, the easiest day of y'all's life right now. Treasure it. Embrace it because it won't get any easier after today. The responsibilities become more. The expectations become more. Get that stuff together. Get it together. Feel good about yourself mentally, physically, emotionally. Mr. Wallace has spoken. That's the fuck I'm talking about, so... You want to feel something good in terms of emotional? You want to feel something good that's going to get your physical right? Mentally, get yourself right in the right shape? You go ahead and listen to a little William Bell. You don't miss your water till your well runs dry. That's damn right. That's damn right. So Mr. Thomas, Mr. Bell, for those in Mesquite, in Mr. Hume's ninth grade health class, for those in Mr. Hume's PE class for those 10th graders and 11th graders that I was dealing with in geoscience and biology class. The mental, the physical, get it together. Remember y'all in life, you don't miss your water till your well runs dry.